This is Naturopathic Doctors for Truth. We are gathering elders and wise MDs and other special guests to open discussion of important topics in naturopathic medicine and to address troubling trends during these times. We don't need to all agree on what the truth is, but we all agree that we need to be free to express our views, whatever those may be. All right, so hello everybody, hello. I'm Dr. Moshe Daniel Block, we're NDs for Truth, naturopathic doctors for full, free, fair, and fearless expression of the truth, of medicine, of healing, what, and having discussions about difficult situations for our planet, for our nations, for our professions. And I have here Anke Zimmerman, I'm so honored to, to be with Anke, who graduated from CCNM, which was at the time called the Ontario College of Naturopathic Medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And that was in 1991. So we're sitting with an elder over here. This is fantastic. And, and, has a, and is a professional homeopath. Now, Anke is, was um, formally licensed naturopathic doctor. We're gonna hear a little bit from her um, why she's no longer licensed. That's a very interesting story, which has a lot of importance and relevance. She graduated, uh, okay, her practice is almost exclusively with children with developmental and behavioral disorders, especially autism. And as a, a result of that, on va vaccine and medication injuries. She lives and works in Souk on beautiful Vancouver Island in Canada. Welcome, Anke. Thank you, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm it's, so happy to it's be here. truly a, a pleasure. And um, I just wanna give a shout out and a thank you for, to Rebecca who found you and brought you on. Yes, thank so you. So thank you, Rebecca, very much for that. All right, so now, um, welcome. So your, you know, your story, a lot of people heard about the rabid dog saliva thing. Mm -hmm. And I read that article. There was one article. There may have been several articles. Would you want to tell us about that? And then I'd love to hear what happened with you and the College of Naturopathic Physicians of British Columbia. Sure. So early in 2018, I published a case from my website to Facebook. And the case then while I was on Facebook, my Facebook page came under attack by a group of skeptics from the UK and New Zealand. And they complained about this case story that I had posted to my Facebook page. Yes. So the previous year, I saw a young child, four years old in my office. He was brought in because of insomnia, fear of uh, the dark, uh, fear of werewolves, and he was hiding on the tables and growling, as well as being aggressive with his uh, peers. Okay, mm. so that was the situation. Yes, and I'm watching this child, and I had seen a couple other similar cases before. So I kind of, I pretty quickly, you know, kind of asked the mother, "Has he ever been bitten by a dog?" <laughs> Is that right? Wow, yeah, that's great. Minutes in because. I, I had seen a couple other children very similar, like just the way they behaved in the office. He was very active. He was very intelligent, jumping around all over the place, very playful. 
and just the insomnia, the growling on the tables. So I, I asked, first of all, I asked, he was four years old. How long has he been like this? Was he always like this? She said, no, he was great the first couple of years, no problems. I said, okay, has he ever been bitten by a dog? Yeah. For a moment, she's like, now that you mention it, yeah, actually, um, two years ago, we were on a beach somewhere and he had a muffin in his hand and this dog came and, uh, and grabbed it. Yes. And bit him. Oh, uh, wow. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Um, <laughs> I said, did the dog break his skin? And the mother said, yes. And I said, okay, this may sound a little strange, but there's this remedy in homeopathy, which we sometimes use for these situations. And I explained it to her. And um, that took more or less the rest of the appointment. I took a little more background history, pregnancy, medical history, and so on. And then uh, I gave her some of this remedy um, to give to him. And asked her to come back the next week so I can quiz her a little more on, on more background. Yes. She comes back the next week and the child's already much better, actually. She said, I don't know what you gave him, but he's so much better. He's, uh, he's not afraid of uh, the, the werewolves anymore. Like before he was closing the curtains real tight and he was saying, mama, there are werewolves out there. And he just huh. didn't. And he was less agitated, okay. And then she, she told me, you know, I, I know you told me what, what this remedy was about and I forgot to tell you uh, he keeps pretending that he's a dog mm -hmm. in fact he he always wants me to call him my little puppy dog and Funny. he never kisses me he'll only come and lick me like a puppy and I have to throw sticks and balls for him and he retrieves them and scampers around on all fours <laughs> that's so interesting right yeah so it's full-on state right like you know, you know about this, that's yes. the remedy. Anyway, somehow we don't understand exactly how it happens, right? But we know from clinical evidence, history, cases, sometimes if a person is bitten by a dog, it doesn't matter really whether the dog is, has been vaccinated or not, but sometimes vaccines seem to maybe be a factor, rabies vaccine. Yes. That a person, even though the dog is not rabid, the person can develop these strange symptoms. Yes. And this child was kind of in like a dog state, right? Like, but a little yeah. on the little bit of a rabbit flavor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, with the aggression and that, right? that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And the werewolf situation, because what is rabies really? Like it turns you into a werewolf. I think the whole werewolf uh, mythology actually is centers around rabies. Is that right? With people well, that were bitten by dogs and like kind of took on the, the dog, you know. Become wild or, or even a pet dog. You have an, like a little pet dog. I've got the dog sitting and sleeping in the back. I don't know if you can see him. No, no, I can't see My buddy Bruno. And you have like a nice domesticated sweet dog. And if they get bitten by a rabbit animal, they turn into a monster, right? Uh -huh. Like this monster that'll bite everybody else. And this is like the werewolf uh, uh mythology in a way and or, i've heard that 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 you know what we call the state or the miasm if you want to use those words mm -hmm. can be transmitted from a human who has that state to another human so a person who, who aggressively bites another person can transmit that as well i wouldn't be surprised it can yeah. also be transmitted to the next generation right. i had a case 
Also, this can happen with a number of other situations. The bite can do it. A rabies vaccine may also do it. Sometimes it's a combination. I had a case, uh, a woman came to see me many years ago and she basically needed this remedy. Among other things, she had horrendous dreams of, uh, of um, she was threatened to be tortured. Mm. And this, this remedy can be a good remedy for people that have yeah. been tortured. Yeah, like the torment, being tormented, tortured. Because yes. one of the first symptoms that a human being develops when they develop rabies is a horrible, very strong anticipatory fear, the sense that something really awful is about to happen. Yes. It's true because they're going to go insane, right? Because the virus yes. is into their brain. But that is one of the first symptoms. So if somebody has this feeling just because they're in a situation of abuse or torture or something, right? Like something terrible is about to happen. I can't do anything about it. That is the feeling of a torture victim in a way. Yes. You're there, you're being held captive, under control. Somebody's coming, they're going to do something to you, something yeah. horrible. Yeah. You don't know if you're going to live, what they're going to do. You don't know when they're going to do it, but you know it's going to happen. And you just, it's like this horrible, horrible feeling. And yes. that is uh, also lucinum. Yes. So, so now let me, let's, let's look at this, this, this thing about the media okay. jumping, jumping on the rabid dog saliva and using that as fodder for mockery of homeopathy is like, it's like, that's, it's like on par with snake, like the idea of snake oil, you know? Okay. So let me, uh, anyway, so this child, uh, it got so much better. He had maybe three, four doses over the next six months. And he yeah. was like, totally fine. Amazing. Yeah. All of those things. Good for you, by the way. Congratulations. That's that's a great case. That that should be celebrated. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> should be celebrated, not mocked. That, it right. shows the perversion of the mind. Is a perversion of the mind with people that look at this as an example, something that should be mocked rather than, right. you know, studied and and yep. exalted and you know right. i totally agree mm -hmm. and what happened is okay so i'm i asked for permission to write the case up which i sometimes do i have a whole bunch of cases on my website that's how we learn from each other right sharing cases yeah, yeah. i'm writing this up i'm sending it to the mom for to make sure it's correct she's signing off on it she, i have her permission i put it on my website and then from there to facebook and that's when my page came under attack and next thing i didn't know at the time that it's best not to engage with these trolls but i did you know because i'm a little bit feisty so <laughs> good for you this guy from the uk he was a frustrated lawyer he tried to become a lawyer and then he got felt by an autoimmune disease of all things so he oh, had man. to quit. i looked him up you know afterwards so anyway he starts trying to cross-examine me on facebook it's like did you or did you not give a known human pathogen to a child? And I'm like, well, <laughs> who are you in the Inquisition? <laughs> Is this done. court? Is this, are, am I in court? I, I thought we were done with that in the Middle Ages. I'm, and he's like getting so mad at me, you know? So he starts to threaten me. He tells me he's going to call the police on me and he wants them to taser me. And then he threatened and I'm like, be my guest, you know, like... Anyway, and then he threatened to call the authorities, so he did. He or somebody else in this group 
called, among other things, the media, and our provincial health officer here in BC, Dr. Bonnie Henry. And Bonnie Henry went on public record claiming you could get rabies from a homeopathic remedy. Oh. And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a very good example of somebody who is in a place of authority. Yes. Who is the expert, who has absolutely no idea what they're talking about and is completely unscientific. Yeah. But they're heralded as the expert. Because I was reading an, an article, the article that was written, and it says, you know, experts say, you know, they're, they're quoting the experts. For example, uh, we'll, we'll get into that after, but I'll touch on it right now, is that, you know, you can't develop autism from, from a vaccination. You know, that's what experts say. Sure. So the, this whole thing about experts, I mean, if we look at what's hap been happening with, with COVID, the experts are completely inept and... Anyway, yeah, okay, fantastic. So again, congratulations, amazing case. You have these people on your back, even the, who is, who is Dr. Bonnie Henry? She was the, the, the health minister? The health, the provincial health officer here in uh, British Columbia. He's, she's the top health person. She's the one that's on television every night now talking about coronavirus. Oh yeah, right. Like mm -hmm. the TAM for Canada, and I don't know who you have in uh, Quebec. Uh, it's yeah They're all the no. same anyway i don't even know who that is in quebec i mean maybe the 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 premier you know the goal talks a lot about himself he's not he's not a medical guy but okay no. so she's talking and then i i understood that there were also some complaints from naturopathic doctors oh, as well yes. well that happened okay so what happened next is this whole story starts making headlines around the world and my phone's ringing off the hook with journalists asking me about things you know and I went on record, like I gave an interview and I just told them, I said, wow, it's like the Bonnie Henry's full of hot air and all of this, right? And yeah. uh, um, all kinds of stuff happened. It was just nonstop. The phone was buzzing all day long. And, uh, and then, and then um, the, the, the uh, what are they called? The Naturopathic Association, the heads of the Naturopathic, not the association, yeah, the association, here in British Columbia, the two doctors. Was that the college? Not the college, the association. Oh, the association of like of doctors. That's right, because it's two different things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they stepped up and filed a complaint against me with the college. Oh, for Pete's sake. Where where is this world coming to? I know, my own colleagues, right? And you, it's not like you, it's not like you went out and I don't know, you scraped some rabid saliva off of a dog and you gave that to the kid. You gave a, 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 a potentized homeopathic remedy and you actually helped the child. You had a good case. I did. Yeah. The parents. I mean, where's the sense in that? Uh, so do you know, I mean, you don't need to mention any names, but do you know who the people were that yeah. were responsible in the association? Absolutely. Eric Chan and Janine. Uh, what's her name? It's on my screen. It's been a while. I don't have better things to do than dwell on this. Yeah. Here it is. It'll come to me in a minute. No problem. You know, I, the names are not important, but I, I'm curious as to what their, what problem, like what was their problem? Their naturopathic doctors, what problem did they express uh, towards you and toward the situation about this? Forget this. 
they refused to tell me what the complaint was about. Mm. So they filed a complaint with the college claiming professional misconduct, among other things, which is pretty serious stuff. But they refused to tell me what it was and they refused to share the complaint with me. That's ridiculous. That's so cowardly. And, oh, it is, totally. And conniving. It's, yeah, it's just it is. very... It's very low. It's very low level behavior. It's very you know, low on the food chain. Yeah. Yeah, to low on the food chain to to accuse somebody of a pretty serious, you know, it's a pretty serious accusation, but not even allow them the the, the chance yeah. to know what that might be. No. So the phone was ringing. The, the journalists were calling and saying, "Hey, you know, your association has been filed a complaint against you with the college." And I'm like, "Huh? What? What can you say about it?" I said. I have no idea. And then, of course, I, I called the association and they said, we're not going to tell you. Uh, the college is going to deal with it. And then a month later, there was the annual general meeting of the uh, association and so on. And I went there and I confronted Janine. Oh, it's going to come to me. Anyway, gently. She was there. I was with a friend and we confronted her about what happened. I said, can you tell me what's in the letter? You know, you filed a complaint letter and you're not telling me what it was about. Oh, no, just look up the bylaws of, for the naturopathic college, look up the bylaws. And like, that's not helping me. And then she started complaining. She said, you know, six years of work down the drain, thousands of hours, we're so upset. And you claimed the associate, like I wasn't a member of the association. They tried to throw me under the bus because I wasn't a member. He said, you said the association wasn't giving much value. My feelings are hurt. And it's a good thing my colleague was there. I would have strangled this woman. <laughs> my gosh. She's my gosh so what is she meaning, uh, Anke? She's saying six years of work on the drain to try to bolster the image of naturopathic medicine. Is that what she's saying? I don't really know. I don't. Really I, I would assume that because for me, the Achilles heel, which yeah. is really dragging, dragging naturopathic medicine down, is this very fragile ego mm. of needing to perfect the image so that it's acceptable mm. to mainstream medicine and mainstream mm. science. And I'm putting that in quotation marks for a reason. And that that is the the beginning and the end of the downfall of naturopathic medicine. And it's also at play in your situation where instead of your, your colleagues rallying to your cause of standing up and saying, hey, this is, it's scientifically demonstrable. We can, it's demonstrable. We can demonstrate that when there's a substance that affects a human being, then, then, then the similar substance, when the state is affected, mm -hmm can cure that state, can re re at least relieve the symptoms and heal the state. Yeah. This is science, you know that- Yes, I agree. It's totally science. Of course, I was maybe a little provocative by, instead of just calling the remedy lucinum, actually explaining what it was made from, but still. But right, I was, I was exactly like, I was gonna ask you if, you, if you could do that all again, would you perhaps just call it lysinum and not put the rabid dog saliva thing? Just because, 
you know, you know that how people are, their minds are very small about in this topic. Mm -hmm. They can't handle that. It's mm -hmm. like if you had, if you had an amazing case of arsenicum, well, maybe you might put metal album instead of arsenicum just to keep those people, you know, pacified a little bit. Yes, yeah. maybe, maybe not. You know, I, I think there's a reason for why things happen the way they happen. And uh, if I had to do sure. it again, I probably wouldn't change it, to be honest. But yes, it did occur to me. Maybe I could have not, but, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. Like I just put it on Facebook. It's my yeah, well, that's, I mean, look, in the history of the case, this is verifiable. There was a child whose skin was broken by a dog. The saliva affected the child. And you can see that in the central nervous system being affected in its emotional field. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that's fair. And I, I, I respect you for, for putting it and standing by that. That's fine. It's, it's educating the public, well, you know, I that this exists. Looking at it, you know, it's like maybe somebody else will be, have, will be helped through this. And in fact, I was contacted. So after all this happened, all hell broke loose, you know, I got hundreds and hundreds of emails and Facebook messages, telephone calls. Many of them were quite threatening and uh, scary and arranged and they were almost all from men and then the other half was very supportive and uh, from all over the world i received uh, men and women supportive emails and calls and all that i was offered free vacations uh, i was offered help with any legal costs um i was getting did, did you take them up no because you know what happened is just before all this happened <clears throat> i had bought a house in souk at the time I was living in Victoria and when this wall was breaking, I was right about to move and I was busy packing and moving and I moved into a fixer upper in uh, Souk, which yeah. is uh, an hour out of Victoria and like it's the boonies basically, uh -huh. which was just as well because I was kind of hiding there for a while, you know, I mean, people were threatening to, you know, I should be bludgeoned and uh, have a baseball bat to my head and things uh, head and things like that. Yeah. Oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah, that was nice. It's a bit scary. Yeah, but that's scary. I was preoccupied because I was right, you know, I was moving. I was selling one place, buying another, moving. So that uh, kind of kept me pretty busy also. And I didn't have money because I just spent all my money on this house to fight uh, anything with lawyers. So anyway, um, so all this happens, all the media and all of that. And then the college, oh yeah. So several complaints were filed, um, including by uh, Janine and this guy, Eric from the BCNA. Mm -hmm. And then another naturopath filed a complaint, the guy from, I think Seattle, Leslie Witherspoon or something. He does do any homeopathy. He helps people with gender transition. He's like hardcore into hormone therapy. <clears throat> He filed a complaint claiming that I did do this and that wrong. I should have tested the child for lead. I should have had him assessed by a psychiatrist. I should have done a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's a naturopathic, a naturopathic doctor? Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I don't know what happened, but I feel like I woke up and I'm living in a new a, a world that I don't know how it changed so fast. Like I graduated 20 years ago, you 29 years ago, 20 years ago naturopathic doctors didn't believe in vaccination that's only 20 years ago and maybe 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 a few a small hand you know secretly in the back of their mind thought vaccinations were a good idea but now it's 
there's a lot of people who as naturopathic doctors are have so far strayed from our core principles and for all intents and purposes are completely allopathic and just there's no there's no none of our principles being employed by these people yeah. I don't know how that happened. You? You have any you have any idea of how it happened so quickly? Sure, because I graduated in Ontario and then I moved over here in 2005. And I noticed that the doctors here were practicing differently. You know, and many of them, most of them had been trained in the US. And it was more like a green allopathy rather than the naturopathic medicine that I was used to from Ontario with my peers and cohorts. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and how's the how's the college? You know. I, I've, there's, there's a number of colleges in North America, CCNM, I went to, you went to the, the former version of the Ontario, but there's Boucher, you know, I heard that Boucher has some good people there. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, um, the president was, is actually a very interesting man, a very good person. He came to one of the naturopathic medicine institutes, uh, which is vitalism. Uh, one of their meetings and showed support for for what we're doing and very supportive, very, very good person. I have some of my own uh, uh, peers from my class teaching there and they're they're good people. A lot of the other colleges have just gone to to they've gone down the dumps. I, I think NUHS in Chicago is maintaining some kind of vitalism, some kind of roots of naturopathic medicine. But it looks like there's a big takeover happening when when there, there's an article that you sent me to check out of the um, the British Columbia, uh, the College of Naturopathic Physicians of British Columbia, their immunization standard and the prohibition of cease therapy. OK, so wait, because this is the next story. So this okay, whole, okay. whole uh, lucinum situation happens. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, there were a couple other complaints that were filed. There was this guy from England, the one that tried to be a lawyer and didn't make oh, it. Yeah. one complaint against me. So then the college contacted me and asked to see the file and talk to the mom. And it was, it was all fine. You know, they didn't have any concerns. It was all good. So anyways, then right on the heels of that, another skeptic from the UK who's well known. Um, I forget his name right now. Anyway, well, let's let's leave him in the sh in, in let's leave him shrouded in mystery so all we don't right. give his ego any uh, exposure. All on my yet. website, like I have all of this information on my website. Uh, there's yes. a section which is password protected. If anyone wants to see all these letters, what they actually wrote and what I wrote back, okay, and it's all there. So after we do this, you'll send me the link. I'll put it up on on this archived. Okay. If anybody really wants to know. So anyway, so yeah. this guy this guy files. Um, a complaint against myself and two of my colleagues in British Columbia who were offering what is called cease therapy. Okay. Yes. Now, if you, you probably know, so this cease therapy. Yeah, I've read, I've read some stuff about it. We were looking into that. I've considered it for some of my patients as well. Yeah. I just have a quick question before you go into that. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't help ask, not ask this question. How is it that somebody from the UK can yeah. file a complaint against someone from Canada? One letter. You should have read the letter. It made no sense. The guy's out of his mind. 
and that's taken seriously instead of dismissed you know saying you know thank you for your concern but we're we're okay over here you know thank you exactly so he made all sorts of accusations he's he basically claimed among other things that cease therapy was child abuse ah uh, right yeah yeah we are the ones hurting the children of course we are yes um, it's right? so strange it, again it's this reversal of critical thinking of the scientific yes. language of, of understanding of reality. It's, it's a yes. total reversal. It exactly is like an alternate reality. Yes. So he this long complaint, long rambling complaint. And uh, he hung up his whole complaint on one case story in Tino Smith's book on, on cease therapy, where a child had been under his care and he developed diarrhea as a detox reaction. Uh-huh. Tina Smith was unavailable for 10 days because he was out of country or something. So the mother ends up taking the child to a regular doctor. The doctor gave anti-diarrhea medicine and the child's diarrhea stopped, but all the autism symptoms came back. Yeah, right, right. And amazing, right? And he used this case to say that cease therapy is child abuse and medical neglect and that children deserve to be have medical treatment, including- yeah, There's no basis there. Anybody who study, who just learns about the medicine for a couple of hours can see there's no basis in that. No, nothing. So the whole, most of the complaint was, was around this particular, you cherry pick this. And of course the child actually got better. Of course, that didn't matter. The child had a detox reaction. The autism symptoms are better. He's got some diarrhea, you know? But then everything I mean, that's a miracle if you look at, at how autism is handled in conventional medicine they don't have anything for nothing. autistic children no basically they say oh it's genetic save your money they'll be in a home by the time they're 16 years old good luck yeah yeah absolutely okay so so that happened and then and now it's interesting because on the british columbia website right the the college of naturopathic physicians of, of British Columbia, mm -hmm. it's forbidden to practice cease therapy now as a naturopathic doctor. That's right. So within five days, this guy, he asked for a reply within five days, the college capitulated and without any consultation with any of us, without researching cease therapy, they should have at least talked to me because I was the most vocal about it and the most experienced of the three of us. One of the others was one of my friends. I infected her. The third one, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was no communication, nothing. They basically just said, we're going to shut this whole thing down. You can't practice C's. You can't advertise C's. You can't talk about vaccines and autism. And that was it. And uh, then there was another investigation because now they asked me for all, all of us, three of us. Mm -hmm. Sorry, let, let me interrupt just a quick sec. I want to give a, a, a 10 second spiel about cease therapy so people know because not probably not a lot of people know what cease therapy is you want to just give a real quick thing about that yeah tina smith was a dutch medical doctor and homeopath who had a long history of interest in autism and children with developmental disorders yes. and at some point he figured out that he could give them homeopathic remedies made from vaccines and medications and so on and he wasn't the only one. There were a couple other ones and they were all like friends. Okay. Like Ton Janssen and he was one of them too. All yes. right. So anyway, they realized pretty quickly that these kids were getting so much better and uh, that that's how, that's how these remedies made from the vaccines, right? Yes. Like an isopathy. It's like an isopathic, isopathic form. Right. 
Yeah. So if you gave them the right, the right ones from the vaccines that affected them or any other thing that affected them for that matter, it didn't have to be a vaccine. Tinas was pretty clear that it wasn't just vaccines, that yes. those children often improved, you see. So yeah. the, uh, not only was the, the therapy, the remedy therapeutic, but it was also diagnostic. Ah, of the of the root cause of the problem. Right? Yes. He was like, if yes. the, in fact, you have a child, they were exposed to five, 10 different things. You work your way through. They had this thing, they had that thing, they had this vaccine, that antibiotic, okay? If you give them one that affected them negatively, they will have a response to that and they will improve in what in certain areas. Sometimes yes. in all areas, sometimes just in a couple areas. Yes. Most of these children are severely compromised because they're suffering from a number of problems. I'll, I'll just go quick, quickly into that. Uh, yeah. Number one, they tend to be born with certain predispositions that make them more vulnerable to adverse events from uh, vaccines and medications, okay? Yes. And it tends to be a perfect storm. And with many of these children, there's also trauma during pregnancy, labor and delivery. So it's like a bam, bam, bam. Usually it's a combination of these different things. Yes. And Tinos realized that. And the, he, he, he basically tried to put something together that was more comprehensive. He was also interested in naturopathy or nutrition anyway. So he basically created a naturopathic protocols that included nutrition, some vitamins, constitutional homeopathy, organ support, and remedies, isopathy, remedies made from substances that might have affected the child. Okay. Right. And he kind of put it into a system in a way that hadn't been done like this exactly like that before. Sure. And he gave it a name. He called it CIS, which is short for Complete Elimination of Autism Spectrum Expression. Yes. That's where some of the problem lies because it sort of implies a cure and all of yes. that. Yes. And, and natural, God forbid we should suggest that we can provide this sort of health um, to right. this help. Um, yeah, basically, if I share my screen right now, um, let me just share this really quick. It says, um, CEASE therapy stands for complete elimination of spectrum, oh. autism spectrum expression, a claim that is likely inaccurate, unverifiable, or likely to create a false impression of the results CEASE therapy may provide to patients and may be likely to take advantage of the emotional vulnerabilities of autistic individuals and their parents or guardians, which is contrary to section whatever of the college bylaws. Now this is, uh, I'm gonna put this link up. You're, you, can, you can see that after. So we, I might refer to this page again later. So, so got you. So can we, can we call the C something else? You know, charming, a charming elimination of autism spectrum expression. So, so the complete, you know, like. Yeah, I, uh, it's been suggested, but uh, many times to uh, Tino's son. Okay, so Tino Smith's, published a book and then he died he just mm. died okay he was only 61 yeah he published all that it was awesome and think like i read this book i read it the, the year after it was published so i found it in early in 2011 okay yes and it was like life-changing for me yes incredible but tinos passed away so he never had a chance to change anything yes and then his son uh yannick 
he has sort of continued to maintain the website and so on, but he doesn't want to change the, the acronym. It's been suggested to him by many different people. That would be the way to fix this problem, really. Or, or ch yeah, change the acronym. Keep, call it C, well, okay. but then... Keep it, yeah, but... But I, change I, the C, the C meaning this, and the E is not elimination. It's exactly. it's whatever, energizing. Who knows? But okay. Now, you know, the significance of this for our times with the ever augmenting schedule of vaccinations, no. the number of vaccines that children are getting today is horrific. Same. You know, it's it's just gone off the charts. So we're the, a lot of people that are, are, are noticing the correlation between vaccination and autism, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to, to see that one, um, are seeing an augmentation. And, and there's a projection that in the future, some of between one to four and one to every second child might develop some form of autism from this vaccination schedule. Yeah. So it makes see all the more relevant. No, I know. And there's nobody teaching. So anyway, this might be of interest to the listeners. I'm putting together a program to teach colleagues uh, this system. There's nobody teaching in the US or Canada at this point. And I'm not sure if anyone is really teaching in Europe. There might be one guy in Sweden. Yeah. I think that's it. And uh, this whole controversy around the acronym and so on. But I'm actually putting together a program with, an, with another colleague. She's going to help me but I would mostly doing the teaching. So it'll Good be- Good for like, you. Well, then stay in touch. And when you're ready, I'll, I'll broadcast that across my channels. You it's know? like, I have a, every day, oh my God, yesterday I had 11 children uh, on my schedule with autism, 11. And, and how many of those, how many of those are, vac would you, in your opinion- Almost All of them. <laughs> all of them are vaccine injured. No, it's very interesting. It's not just the vaccines, okay? Uh, again, it's- we cannot, you see, the problem is we cannot claim vaccines cause autism. It's not true. You cannot say it. It's like saying smoking causes lung cancer. We can't say it because it's not cause and effect. There is an association. There's a risk relationship. Yeah. The more you smoke, the higher your risk. But some people smoke a lot and they don't get lung cancer. Right. But that's semantics, though. That's no, just obfuscation with semantics, too. I mean, yeah. it's like. You know, it's it's like when somebody says it's not the fall, it's not the fall that killed them, it's the ground. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. oh, I know, I know. But anyways, it's might it might be helpful to not say vaccines cause autism because it's you can't really say it. Otherwise, all children would have autism. They don't, right? Well, right. I I, I agree with that, but with anything like you could say that a certain pathogen causes a certain syndrome with a certain disease but not everybody that's exposed to the pathogen is going to develop the syndrome that's that's very true because again you have to have a certain predisposition and that's what i'm seeing all the time yes you see a certain predisposition you can actually see it in young children you can look at the shape of the head like I, if I saw a hundred baby photos of, you know, child being one or two months old, I could pick out the ones that will have adverse reactions from vaccines. And what percentage would you estimate that is that about? Um, it's mm, not really sure. And also, of course, it's not just autism, you know, like the more serious neurological situations, it's definitely becoming more common, right? We're about at one in 35 or so now. Um, and there's autoimmune diseases that can well, that's just it. So what we have seen, we haven't seen an explosion of immunological and neurological kinds of disorders in children and adults over the last 20 or so years. In fact, today, 
uh, on children's health defense, they published the launching of a lawsuit. It was just filed. Um, uh, I'm not sure exactly who filed it. I was just reviewing it earlier. And it is, it is actually showing that adults who are vaccinated had 1000 something percent increased risk of any of those conditions and children like was even more. So it's a thousand percent increase in these conditions if you've been vaccinated versus right. if you haven't been vaccinated. All and right. We have enough data now to show, uh, even though the governments refuse to do these compare, comparative studies of vaccinated versus unvaccinated, there are enough other little studies to show that if people are vaccinated, that they have uh, uh, these kinds of situations. And in the US, we have 54% of children with a chronic disease now. Mm. Chronic chronic allergies, asthma, epilepsy, autism, speech disorders, ADHD, yeah. type 1 diabetes, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, all of that. Right. All colitis, oh, it's nightmare. And that's not all because of vaccination. We know that there's no. diet, there's the EMFs from yeah. cell phone towers and cell phones and Wi-Fi, and there's a big, big gestalt of issue going on there. It's, it's a bunch of other stuff too. And it's ultrasounds, it's antibiotics, it's all those meds. But what we, what the medical system is doing, the modern child, okay, is exposed to many, many different medical interventions from the time they're conceived practically. Yeah. Now they're already vaccinating the mothers. A lot of women take antibiotics during pregnancy because of bladder infection or strep B. Then, then, then ultrasounds, oh my God, they also contribute. And I've seen it because we have a remedy made from ultrasound. Yeah. If that child was affected by an ultrasound, you right. get homeopathic ultrasound, you can see real interesting improvements. Right. We didn't do that. We didn't do that no, with our children for that very reason. No. And now they have these private clinics where you can get extra fancy ultrasounds, which are long ultrasounds to see like the gender and to get like a better picture and so on. That's the worst thing that a parent can do. Yeah. One of the worst. Okay. Yeah, right, right, sure. And then you go on labor and delivery. Next thing, the woman is induced. The next thing she knows, she's not progressing properly because it's all being, you know, violated. The natural process is violated. She's so hooked up to monitors and all of that. And then C-section. And then the C-section. And then medication after. And it just goes on and on. The baby is born. They get a vitamin K shot. In the US, they get hepatitis B shot right from on day one. Yeah. And it goes from there, you know, two months old, they get a whole battery of vaccines, four months old, the same. Well, the, the one, a lot of women are not breastfeeding for different oh, issues. Some, for some, I don't know how this happened, but a lot of women, I don't know what percentage, but a lot of women find it disgusting to breastfeed their children. Like that's the most natural thing in the world. <laughs> it's the most natural and the most amazing thing to bond with your child and to nourish their body. Milk is like mother's milk is so nutritious. It's the most healthy thing that a child can be doing. And they're discouraged. Doctors want their, you know, are encouraging formula because it's more nutritious. Like it's just, it's just total insanity, total insanity. It really is, you know, and then you have these injured children. Like I have stacks. Every day I have a stack like this. These are all autism cases every single day from all over the world. The good news about me giving up my license to get back to that for a moment. Okay. Yeah, thank you. What, what happened? So the college then called me in. Well, they wanted all my files of children I had done cease therapy with. I sent them a few because I argued with them. I said, well, what's your definition of cease therapy? You know, it's, you know what it is. It's a naturopathic protocol. 
Make me watch your files. So fine, I send a bunch of files. I talked to my colleagues and they said, how many did you send? And I sent this many and I'm like, okay, I'll send this many. Anyway, I had to send them the files and they interviewed the parents and then they hauled me in for an inquiry, an inquiry meeting, an inquisition meeting. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I'll tell you. And I'm in there, I'm feeling like a Rambo, right? And I'm walking in there and it's this big- Was it hostile? Was there a hostile energy to it? Definitely, oh my God. So the, I'm walking in there and I'm all happy because I'm pretty cheery by nature anyway. And there must be all the homeopathy I took over the years. Yeah, right. (laughs) So I used to be. So I'm walking in there. It's a big uh, boardroom at the college. And they have nine people sitting around this huge room. And they're all, there was one person who looked at me really cheery. And she was um, one of the lawyers at the college that I had been communicating with. Like we had sending emails back and forth and phone calls. And we were friendly with each other. And she's like, hi. And I'm like, hi. The other ones were all like. Yeah, like, like. Why are you saying hi to this person? They were like, and I'm looking at them like, they didn't like me. <laughs> what on earth is going on? It's so bizarre. It makes me scratch my head and wonder what forces are at play here. Me too. So there was a guy at the end of the table and he had a big round head, I forget. He was some kind of a lawyer. The problem is the these boards are full of lawyers. They're not doctors. They don't know right. medical. This has to do with rules and regulations and laws, you see. It hasn't have to do with medicine, actually. Right. So there's a bunch of lawyers there, a couple of old naturopaths. One was a colleague of mine from Ontario, but they were, you know, old, like, okay, I'm not that young. I'm almost 60, but they were older than me. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. And I'm sure that they had never treated a child with autism, okay? And then there was a bunch of people writing notes and so on, and they all had these big binders in front of them this thick with everything on me like this there was an a, somebody was appointed he was like the inquisitor more or less i forget they had a different name than that but i called him the inquisitor mm-hmm. and he had put together these fat binders i kid you know they were this big and basically had downloaded my whole website so um finally i was told what the complaint was that my colleagues had filed against me with the association yes so it had nothing to do with, with the rabbit dog saliva situation. It had nothing to do with the cease therapy. They had complaints because they picked a few little things. They picked through my website. I have a massive website. Okay. I'm like, I don't even know how many pages, but anyway, um, they were picking through it. And on my bio, it said that I had training in IV therapies, which by the way, I do. And they claimed that they didn't know if it was true or not, and that I might be misleading the public by claiming this. Really? And that's so when you came forward to this tribunal, they they told you the reason. But well, you were you were brought forth because of the cease therapy, though, right? No. Okay, so um not because of the cease therapy. I was called in because of what it said on my website about vaccination. Oh, okay. And it didn't say anything bad, but I had a lot of uh, articles and research links on there on, on different articles uh, regarding the risks and, you know, all of that of vaccination and actual research. And, and by the way, just a, a quick a quick interjection here, if you don't mind, right. if I share the screen again on this, this website, mm-hmm. um, the, cha- the, co- the changes to the college's immunization. Mm-hmm. So basically... Um, uh, 
the new standards uh, for naturopathic doctors in British Columbia clarifies that naturopathic doctors must not provide patients and or the public at large with anti-vaccination or anti-immunization materials or materials regarding potential risks and harms of vaccinations. And, and basically this says the same thing in different, you know, you're not allowed to counsel, you're not allowed to feature. So this is the new standards of practice. And, and you know, it's like the, when all this first happened, so let me just uh, go back to the complaint that my colleagues made, okay? Uh, I, was, I was told what the complaint was before this meeting and I had a chance to respond to their concerns. Yes. You were basically just complaining about my website. Okay, there, there, were, there was one thing on there they were kind of right about because I said I was a pediatric naturopath and we're not allowed to say that. But anyway, and they could have just told me, they could have just called me up and said, by the way, you know, that's a little iffy, maybe you should change it. Yeah. Instead, of, instead of going on public record and, and accusing me of professional misconduct, you know. Right. Not that big a deal, okay. And it's easy to fix. Okay, yeah. anyway, so there they complained and what they hauled me in for was that um, I had not totally removed any mention of any of those things from my website. Like I still had something on there that, that said somewhere that it was C's and um, I still had uh, research links to, you know, uh, questioning the safety of vaccination and things like that. And that's what they hauled me in for. Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with my professional uh, or with my, with my practice or how I treated these kids. It only had to do with my website and mostly anything to do with vaccination and this whole issue around autism and vaccines. Okay, so let's look at this for a moment. Yeah. You're brought before this board mm -hmm. and some of, there's a couple of naturopaths, they're all lawyers. They're all really worried about the reputation of naturopaths and naturopaths making any claims that's mm -hmm. gonna upset can the the people in the conventional places the the big pharma you know bill gates will get very offended if if you are making any claims against um against vaccination so naturopathic doctors again again the profession instead of saying this is what we do this is what we believe this is our creed and our philosophy they're afraid they're, they're, they're practicing out of fear and, and living out of fear and forming the medicine based on fear. And you were the, the victim. I don't, I don't think you're a victim. You don't seem like a victim. You probably don't take that on, but, but you you were abused by this fear. That's true. Yeah. So I was basically thrown under the bus and, uh, and made an example of, and, you know, to scare all the other doctors from saying anything and doing any of this. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but I do very much appreciate you sharing this story with us just to show other people like what's going on and how, how sad the situation is that the, 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 the authorities, you know, authorities are supposed to represent the best part of the stuff, you know, like they're supposed to be the most officially uh, in favor of and in support of a medicine, not the opposite where they're actually taking down people who are doing the most important work because uh, uh, vaccinations are a very big problem in our society. And it's, I'm not saying, I'm not, I don't necessarily want to imply, I mean, if maybe if I was king of the world, I would take them out entirely, but 
at least give people the choice to be educated properly about vaccination and the risks. They can make their own informed decisions. So if we're going to be um, sovereign people, you know, allowed to choose our medicine, well, people can choose vaccines if they want, but give them the proper education around it. Right? Yes, we're not allowed to do that because you cannot. So anyway, then I started taking uh, this course that the naturopathic doctors see. Now we can, of course, now prescribe uh, uh, medications as well, right? In British Columbia. Yeah, pharmaceuticals. The, uh, yeah, and I didn't take the upgrading, but we can also give vaccines. So I took the course to teach you how to give the vaccines, okay? And I know what's in the course. I took about two thirds of it and then they, I could no longer log in because now I wasn't a naturopath anymore anyway. Uh -huh. uh, so there's nothing in there on the safety uh, studies that are done on vaccines. There's nothing in there on aluminum, like the aluminum adjuvants, do you know what they call them in this course that is that the pharmacists and, and naturopaths and nurses are, are taking? They call it strengtheners. Oh, it's for God's sake. It's all the new speak. George Orwell called it. It's the new speak. It's redefining terms so that they fit with the agenda. You know, the World Health Organization just redefined herd immunity. I know. I know. Herd immunity is not as a result of natural immunization from people getting the infection. It's because of vaccination that herd immunity is brought. Right. Oh, by the way, oh, Anke, I want to take issue with one thing you said. You said I was no longer a naturopath. I disagree. No, I am, but I'm not like, I don't have a... You're not licensed. There's a difference. I'm not licensed either. I practice in no. Quebec. No. Quebec is a non-licensed uh, province. Okay. So if you came to Quebec and moved up the street, you could continue to call yourself a naturopathic doctor because you're graduating from the college gives you that designation. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever wanted to, you know, I could, uh, I'll make you a cup of tea and we could. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's, that's just, just a point I want to make because you. you, you call yourself what, what I would, you know, I would express it as your, your formally licensed naturopathic doctor. But you're still a naturopathic doctor. I, I don't. And I just don't have an active license at the moment, you know. And I can also reapply, or I could or could apply in a different jurisdiction potentially. But honestly, it has liberated me because look at this restriction. Plus, we weren't able to really do telehealth the way I do now. Like at, right now, what happened? Because I'm not as restricted. I have clients from like all over North America, Europe, the Middle East. This morning, I have a client in Qatar. They have two children with autism. They love me. Like the kids are recovering. Oh. We, we talk to each other almost every week. You know, when those kids are better, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to train the mother because she should be a homeopath. She's going to be part of my new class next this year. Amazing. This is so beautiful. And it's, yeah. it's such a shame that you had to leave the profession in order to, to leave those restrictions that are yeah. handcuffing you yes. from helping people more. You know, this is what happened. And actually, I'm, I'm very busy. Like, it didn't uh, impact me financially at all, you know? Yeah, right. No, no, exactly. That, that's, I mean, I, I have to say this. I, I kind of I have this love thing for naturopathic medicine. I love the, I love the, the, the promise of the medicine. 
-hmm. like the, the ideals and the philosophy. I know what the philosophy is. I learned it and I know how to apply it and I know how to teach it. And I know, I know the results it gets. So I, I don't, I'm not ready to throw in the towel for naturopathic medicine, but we're, we're getting, we're getting, you know, to the point where there, there's going to probably be a split because I would imagine there will be because there are people that are not on board and others who want to make it more allopathic. Like yeah. the last I heard in Ontario was they were trying to, to get the naturopaths to help with the coronavirus vaccination, you know? Like yeah, that's, that's at CCNM. That's at our alma mater. The, the president, uh, Bob Bernhardt, has said that we, you know, naturopaths should be trained to decrease vaccine hesitancy and to talk their patients into getting the vaccine. And, you know, that's, that's terrible because there is so much, so much adverse reactions happening now from this vaccinations. From where's the science? Where's the, the, the do no harm? Exactly. That's exactly my point. The, it's first do no harm. You know, we are giving vaccines to healthy people, okay? Healthy children, healthy adults for the most part. Yeah. First do no harm. And we have no, what I see over and over again with these kids that I see, okay, is that it's very rare to have like an immediate really severe reaction what happens most of the time it takes two or three months so the child gets a vaccine it's usually the 12 months vaccine i mean they've already had a whole bunch by then okay yeah it is already pretty full and then this two or three months during which time the child is descending into autism okay uh -huh. and that's what it is it's like there's a two or three months delay in most cases 95 percent of the time with the time delay after the vaccination of two to three months before symptoms appear. But none of the safety studies have ever looked at any of the vaccines on the childhood schedule for that length of time. Right. The longest they've looked at was six weeks and that was just for the MMR vaccine. Polio, right. 48 hours. Hepatitis B, four days and five days. You know, if that child dies on day six, it wasn't the vaccine because nobody looked. Right. If they get asthma at, at 12 months old, it wasn't a vaccine because nobody looked. Right. If they get autism and are diagnosed at 18 months or whatever, it wasn't a vaccine. Nobody looked. You see, this is the problem. There's the long-term testing isn't required because vaccines are classified as biologics and they are exempt. Right. You see now with the coronavirus vaccines. Part of the problem is also this annihilation of proper rigor in science in the scientific protocols around vaccinations and pure and unadulterated uh, corruption in the CDC for instance in 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 America you know the 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 movie vaxxed oh yes reveals that whistleblower yes. came forth to demonstrating that the CDC knows mm -hmm. that that vaccines cause autism but they're just brushing that under the rug because the I mean, the population has gotten to the point where it seems like the majority of people are so willing to give up their power and to question authority mm -hmm. that authority now, the people in power can, they know that they can get away with anything and they're just going to any means to cover up the, the corruption. So Ooh. that, yeah. Yeah, so that's, and I mean, the same thing is happening in all, on many, many fronts with, with the COVID uh, uh, situation and, and the, what's happening in the US. 
um, politically, it's it's really really something to see all of this. It is. It's it's interesting. It's scary. I'm I'm optimistic myself. Uh, yeah. You know, I, think I feel it in my heart. You know, my my intellect sees all of these things, yes. but in my heart, I feel like we're in the direction of cure. I I feel the same way. You know, and I feel I'm a I'm I have done a lot of consciousness training over the years. Um, and I do a lot of meditation, that sort of thing. And I get, I get a lot of information that way. Okay. Yeah. That's where I, I see that the tide has actually turned already and they're desperate. It's like a last ditch attempt right now. What's going on with the election and all of that as well. It's all connected. Right. And it's, yeah. it's, it's all going to come out because the lawsuits are being filed left, right and center now. Yes. Well, hopefully I, I even see that that corruption has gotten to the, into the Supreme court that the, the judges in the Supreme Court themselves have foregone on their constitution. They've yeah. basically abandoned the constitution as well. So the very highest uh, legal place in America is, is now corrupt. So yeah. again, it comes down to the people that in all of these topics, like the people in our profession, meaning the naturopathic doctor saying, well, well you, you organization, you're only here for us. We're not here to serve you. You're here to serve us. So if we don't agree with this and we band together in numbers, then we can change the policy of these ridiculous measures that are coming through the College of British Columbia Naturopathic Doctors and, and of Ontario. I only know those two right now. I haven't looked at the others. And really those are the two largest numbered um largest population of naturopathic doctors anyway so the other ones are just little handfuls of people like in quebec we're maybe like 15 naturopathic doctors you know mm. or 20 i don't know the numbers right now but in, in any case okay so uh this is great it's so great to talk to you about this now yeah. about the direction of cure like when you give a remedy mm -hmm. Sometimes the symptoms go away right away and it's it's all it's butterflies and rainbows and the person feels better and they're they're cured. But sometimes it's it's a it's a messy battle messy. of of struggles and the person is up and down and it's coming out and then they suppress it and it comes out and then what's happening in humanity right now is that a lot of the darkness is kind of we're in the throes of of cure, you know. I like that. I like that. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. Good. Yeah, that's good. And I was going to ask you, Anke, because as soon as you started talking about your lysinum cases, like you've seen other cases, mm -hmm. you, you strike me as, as relying a lot on, on your intuition as well in practice. No, it's, it's repertory and, and materia medica, and I am OCD about homeopathy. <laughs> and I, once I discovered homeopathy, like actually, I almost dropped out of school because of homeopathy. I couldn't wrap my head around it at first. So oh, really? I, I had just done three years of pre-med and two years naturopathic college. And then in the third year, they introduced us to the modalities, you know, acupuncture, uh -huh. nutrition, all this stuff was fine, right? But homeopathy, oh boy. I really, I was the opposite. I, as, after my first class, I had uh, Dr. Chris Souten. And just the way you presented, what? 
Yeah, he would be a, would have been a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. He he so inspired me that I barely touched my other books. I only had my I had my homeopathy books open even when I was studying for I don't know physiology and, and immunology, which I passed by the way. But okay. I, I was a uh, anyway. Okay, so so you had a you had a little bit of difficulty at first. Uh, you know, maybe a bit like Constantine Herring uh, was experiencing. You would not believe what happened. So, Boron, actually at the time it was Dolisos, they came by. At the time, there were 13 students in my year. That was it, okay? It was this tiny college. And uh, Dolisos came by and they gave us all a little first aid kit. This was like in the first few weeks of months, couple months of the third year when we were yeah. just getting, getting there. And I took it home and I was actually seriously considering dropping out because of homeopathy, okay? Wow, yeah. So I went home, I took the kid home, like two or three nights later, I came down with a really severe case of left-sided tonsillitis. Mm. My left tonsil blew up like a golf ball, boom. Out of nowhere in the middle of the night, I woke up and I was in agony and there it was, you know. And Did I didn't- Merck IR? No, Lachesis. Oh, is that right? Herring. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you know, our teacher had just covered colds and flus, right? So yeah, waking up out of a daze, trying to figure out what I'm going to do now. And then I remembered him talking about left-sided sore throats, right-sided, you know, and all those things. And I'm looking it up and I'm like, I wonder if the remedies in the first aid kit, right? And of course, by that time, I, I mean, it didn't lack as like, this was a snake venom. Didn't really help my... <laughs> yeah right right yeah it's fun to joke about this after you know the power and the beauty of homeopathy oh my god but you know what i was really in trouble right and i knew i knew i knew one thing there was no snake venom in this remedy it was just made from snake venom by ultra dilution okay yeah that's right lacus was in my first aid kit that they had just donated to us lovely so I'm opening this up put two pellets under my tongue and i'm and I felt a whole lot better in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's how powerful it can be in acute yeah, situations yeah. and even in chronic situations. Much better, much better. Yeah, I'm, after a little while, it was in the middle of the night, right? So I'm lying back down in bed and go to sleep. I often went to sleep. In the morning, I woke up and I'm like, something strange happened last night. It's a little bit sore. I'm checking in the mirror and my tonsil is almost back to normal. I'm like, oh, Oh dear, homeopathy does something. I better pay attention now. <laughs> oh, wow. What a great story. I love this story. These are the kind of stories that that are so inspiring for, for people. You know, CCNM, mm -hmm. I, I had a talk with, with Bob Bernhardt. I called him up. That's the president of CCNM. And I asked him about like what I, I had heard. I, I was disturbed to hear that uh, the CCNM was made homeopathy an elective course. Mm -hmm. They took it out of the main the main uh, thing, you know, there's an intro in year one, you have like a, maybe a two hour intro or something, that's it. And he said, well, you know, I, I can't say if we're gonna be seeing homeopathy at all in 20 years. And then I, I had published, um, I published an article in NDNR mm. about, it's called The Day the Music Died. It's basically oh. a critique of, of, of nature medicine. Okay. And so there was an editor a hard-nosed editor, but you know, did her job well. I have to say, she called Bob Bernhardt, and he denied ever saying that. So I, I took, I withdrew that from, from the article. Hey, Bruno, quiet. Hey, Bruno, settle down there. Give him a dose of lysinum. He's getting a little aggressive. Come here, buddy. Come here. 
He's a watchdog. He, he pays attention to everything. Yeah, that's good. That's that's what you want your dog to be, right? Like anyway. So that that's neither here nor there. But just the point here is that a, there is a trend in naturopathic medicine to to belittle to you know people use flat earth. As, as an example of a ridiculous uh, conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like flat earth, you know? <laughs> so it's like homeopathy is almost getting, you know, elbowed into that realm of being totally ridiculed. Sure. Well, it's the biggest threat to pharma. Yeah. It's the biggest threat. Not only can we treat chronic as well as acute conditions, it can work in other, together with things like surgery, you can also prevent Infectious, you know, can you be used to prevent infectious? Yeah, homeoprophylaxis is a huge, a huge thing. And most importantly, maybe we can use homeopathy to unveil the damage modern medicine is doing to us. Yeah, as much as possible. I find I find that those cases where modern medicine has damaged my patients Mm -hmm. are the most difficult cases. I find. The iatrogenic damage is just very hard to unwind, I, I find, but not impossible. And no. I want to say, you know, a good homeopath, no, an averagely decent homeopath yeah. is like is like a dozen a dozen regular practitioners, like the value of that. But if you get a very skilled homeopathic practitioner, they're invaluable. You know, they, they should have lineups out the door, down the street and around the corner for, of people seeking help. But the, the, the social engineering and the marketing, the, the, the anti-homeopathy and anti-vitalistic campaigns have really taken a toll. I prescribed, I, I worked with a, a case of a woman with myasthenia gravis and you know, I, I don't always know that the remedy is going to work. Sometimes it's wait and see, right? But I had such high confidence in, in prescribing uh, causticum to her. I just, it was like, it was like a textbook. It's like she fell out of a textbook. And I, I had a follow-up with her and, and I said, um, you know, how's it going on causticum? She said, oh, I didn't take it. Homeopathy is a pseudoscience. I read that on, on the internet. That's a shame. That's a crying shame right there. That woman's life would have been changed. You know, it's actually kind of criminal. I think at some point it would be useful to hold these authorities responsible for for negligence and criminal neglect. Yes. You are a doctor, right? Let's say if we're, if we're even as a naturopath, but if you were a medical doctor, say, and the child comes in and you think they might have meningitis and you don't treat them with antibiotics, that's negligence. That's almost manslaughter. And it should be like this for homeopathy, right? Like if you yeah. do not use this to help this patient, that's actually ne- negligent. That's yes. unprofessional. That's absolutely. It's actually criminal in a way. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. Um, you know, I know that uh, you're, you're, you studied with Andre Sane. I did. Yeah, and we had, we, I had Andre, I did a, a talk with him um, uh, last month, and it was so wonderful. And people really appreciated hearing his wisdom. And mm-hmm. he's, he's, you know, amazing, amazing man, amazing practitioner. And he has something that is rare to see in naturopathic doctors these days is the courage to challenge the profession and to challenge students and doctors to say, 
why aren't you doing, you know, this, you could cure this case. I've cured many cases of these scary, you know, conditions that naturopaths, they, they get, they get so panicky about, you know, a strep throat or, you know, certain things that you got to go right to the home, the antibiotics, right to the antibiotics. Well, no, don't go to the antibiotics. You have these tools, you know, if it gets to a certain dangerous place, then do no harm and, you know, go to the heroic medicine. That's okay. That's okay. Refer to the ER or, or refer to a doctor. If you have that license, you can suggest it yourself, but try the medicine that we were gifted with to help people in, in uh, you know, take lachesis or, or mercurius for, for the strep throat and amongst other remedies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I'm just picking away at it. Like I'm actually I have a book under construction. I'm going to start doing this training for other professionals, right? Yes. It's uh, badly needed. My book is on vaccine injuries and homeopathy. Um, I'm probably going to try and build a six foot high electrified fence with barbed wire around my place before it's published. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you something like just, I'm very curious in yeah. your experience because you have, you have more experience than me with, with autism from vaccine injury and other injuries. Um, classical homeopathy, mm -hmm. how, like if you, if you can, how effective can that be with the vaccine injured child who develops autism if you're not doing the cease therapy as well? I'm curious about your experience with that. I use both, right? Because yeah. I have like just the last couple of days, I have all these patients, they all get classical remedies and they, they are very helpful. For example, um, that family in Qatar, the yeah. little boy, he's like a calcarea kind of, he was calcarea. I think he's going to Nux actually right now, but he was calcarea, chubby, sweaty, difficulty teasing. Yeah. And also tubercular miasm, big head, banging his head. Tuberculinum always helps him with the head banging. Like he used to just bang his head like crazy on a heart, on the floor and all, which is also, it's awful in itself, right? Yes. So after tuberculinum, he stops banging his head for several days. And then now he's, when he does it, he does it very gently. Mm. He does well on that. And he has calcarea. So we have a miasmatic remedy. He's got a constitutional remedy. And we have him on the vaccine detox remedies. Like we did MMR and it made a huge difference for him with eye contact and speech and so on. So right. the remedies are kind of alternated. Okay. Yes. And then the are brought up and then he had a cold. So we treated the, the cold with uh, acute remedies and now the state is changing a little bit. It's probably going to, to more towards Nux. He's much more bossy and assertive and, and angry and all of that sure. and wants to be in control all the time. So you see, you have to use all of it, you see? So, but um, sometimes I have had a couple of cases where just the constitutional remedies were extremely helpful. Mm. And from other practitioners, some people have claimed that 50% of those kids do well just on constitutional. And I could see they would do well, but they may not be completely. And I mean, not that my kids completely recover either, right? Like, right. it's definitely challenging. It's not, it's, not, it's not an easy process. And the very sad thing is that most of the people that come to me, most of the parents, they come to me when the child is already a little too old in a way. Like, if the child is less than two years old, you, you basically have, you know, 95, 100% maybe 
chance of recovery because it's really easy. They're so young. Mm. If they're less than three, it's still pretty good. Once they get to be over three, three to four, now you're going to be in an area of struggle. Like this could take two, three years, you see. Uh If you're even older than that, even the two-year-olds, it might take a year or two. And it doesn't mean every single week in consultation, but they might be fine for three months after a year and then symptoms may come back again. They start toe walking again or whatever. Then you need to give them something again, but it'll be much less often. But to have them totally stable, it does take time because these cases are complicated. Yeah. Oh, they're they're really messed up. Their immune systems, their their neurological, every their vital force is just. Well, it's such it's such a violation of just a natural state to go right into the bloodstream, you know, with these substances. Totally, and it's not that's not the only thing, right? Like a lot of these moms, the the mom um, of the child I just mentioned, she had a really traumatic delivery. Her uterus ruptured. Right? Oh, geez. What does that do? So sometimes it's like just a perfect storm. Something horrible happened, labor and delivery, um, you know, any number of things can happen, right? Uh, there might be an issue with the bonding. Uh, she explained to me that she didn't feel the same connection with him right away as with the older child. So there's this way the matridonal remedies come in, those types of remedies, inspiring remedies. You have to know all of it so that you can use. The other day I gave placenta actually. I don't remember what happened, but there was something going on with the pregnancy. And one of my colleagues from the UK, uh, Michael Adams, Mike Andrews, he had sent me a paper he wrote on placenta, on his use of placenta in kids with autism. Oh, that's interesting. It was so cool. And uh, one of the things he noticed was that they all liked to have a blanket over their head, you know, like they were just covered up. And I, I had this new case from with a little boy of autism with autism. And he was really in a regressed state. He was four years old, but he kind of like a baby. And he was constantly carrying the blanket and having the blanket over him. I gave placenta. I talked to the parents two nights ago. One month of placenta, 40 CH, once a week. He is already so much better. It's like he made leaps and bounds in his development in one month. Amazing. Did you say 40 CH? 40 CH, yeah. That's amazing. I have never ventured outside of the 30, 200, 1M. I'd be curious to hear, not necessarily now, but at some point, maybe we could chat about 40. Is there a 50 CH? Do you ever do 45 CH? (laughs) No, the the reason that it is is because of the 40 weeks of pregnancy. That's what I was told. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think there's so, you know, there's so much to learn and discover and there's, and it's, it should be a beautiful thing to explore all walks of life. Yeah, totally. Not, not this sort of snootish projection of what science is that's been formed through this very, very stringent and myopic uh, view of conventional medicine, you know, that's been influenced by factors that are not very you know helpful to humanity yeah, i should yeah. say the other day i was listening to uh, somebody explain something something and he was talking about uh, the various systems of health and medicine around human beings that were developed over the centuries yeah and he said it basically falls into two groups one group really people are really sincerely trying to help others mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the other one was like wait a minute we can make a lot of money with this yeah and yeah. that's the system that's dominating the Western, obviously, we all know that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's about just the, the financial aspects. It's not about the healing and no. uh, 
No, hundred percent. I'm, I'm very aware of that. And I've talked with some other people on here, like some of the influences, like with the Rockefeller and the Flexner report and Johns Hopkins, and just like really the smear campaign against uh, naturopathic medicine and homeopaths, for instance, herbalists at the time that were very successful. Uh, over a hundred years ago, and then these this this development of these terms like unscientific that was a that was a made up term at that time, that only conventional medicine is scientific, and you know the, the whoever was behind this they knew what they were doing because they knew that like the Nazis knew and like the mainstream media knows today if you repeat something often enough, people will think it's true and. Yeah even if it's quite outlandish. In fact, the more outlandish it is, and the more it's repeated, the more it's believed, because why would they be saying such crazy things unless they were true? Because mm -hmm. pe people really need to wake up mm -hmm. to that one fact that, you know, the authorities and the so-called experts, they don't got your back. They don't know, they don't know better than you do. Um, in fact, in some cases, because they're, re they're reversing things around and flipping science upside down, they know they know less than you or worse than you. <laughs> it's true. It is exactly what it is. Yes. Anke, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Anything. You you gave up your license. You you could have you could have continued with the naturopathic license, but you gave it up and you've shaken off the yoke. You're less restricted. It looks like you're really thriving in your practice. Would do you ever think that you might reinstate your naturopathic doctor license? Is that on the roster? I mean, it depends, right? Like if it's not causing me not to be able to take care of my clients. Right. <laughs> right. My first obligation, when I graduated from naturopathy college, we swore an oath. And, yeah. and the, the most important thing I remember is uh, we swore to be of service to humanity. You know? Right. I know. I know. We swore that same oath. And... I, I take that seriously. I take it very seriously. I've never sworn an oath. I've never been married or anything. So I never swore another oath. Right, right. <laughs> I married homeopathy. Okay, that's what happened. Yeah. I'm madly in love and it's never changed. And I married it. Anyway. Yeah. So um, that is the foundation for everything I do. You know, be of service to humanity. You know, first yeah. be of service to this is. This is really what it is. It's to be of service there. It's not to, you know, to harm and to exploit and 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 damage. No, and, no it's to. You know, last last week I had Dr. Michael Muller on. Another German name, right? Muller. Yes. Oh my God, I'm gonna have to watch that because I I always wondered about this this doctor. He's, he's, he's a he's a sweetheart. I call him a bad the bad boy naturopath. He's just full of passion, oh. very principled. And I I asked the question a couple of times during that that live discussion. I said, "Where are the principled people?" Well, I found one right here, Anka. You have principles. No, I do. You... I always did. I always did. I I was always like that, and uh, nobody ever taught me. I was. I don't know. My parents aren't like that. I'm sorry to say, but <laughs> no, but that's okay. You have it. No, it's, it's so important to be principled in medicine. No, it came uh, somewhere else. There was always this, this, this really intense sense of conscience, conscious, conscience, a conscience. Conscience, yeah, conscience. You no, know, like to do it right 
and to be careful and systematic and to do a good job and you know do your best and have integrity you know and be honest. have integrity you know and I, I, I want to say this with, with compassion in my heart for the people that make choices to, to defend the, their income. Mm-hmm. A lot of naturopaths are afraid to do something because they're going to be sanctioned or they're going to be brought before board. They're afraid about their income. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're putting the, the income, the importance of income above their principles and above their ethics and above these principles and I really feel like naturopaths have to have to really, and not just naturopaths, every single human being, regardless of what we do, but certainly doctors and practitioners, we need these these principles and to to be to have these these ideals. Yeah. And I, I really salute you. I think you deserve a medal. I I, I want to make I want to make a, an an honorary, you know, Endies for Truth medal for you. Like, I think that you you deserve it, and you're. You're helping people. I did anything special. I just did what I had to do, you know? Like, I I have to live with myself at the end of the day. Right. I hold myself accountable at the end of the day. Did I do this right? You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's like, I have to live with myself at the end of the day. Well, you have a conscience. Thank God. I I mean, I think that's so important that people listen to their conscience. Mm -hmm. And if it feels wrong to do something, or to not do something feels wrong, then you have to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, we're going to get in more and more hot water and yeah. in trouble in humanity. No, well, we have to stand up for our principles and have them. And you know, when I get, when I handed in my license, it was basically like, I didn't really know what was going to happen. If people were going to see me just as a homeopath, if I was going to make any money. Honestly, I didn't care. I was prepared to run Airbnb out of my place here until do, do anything else to do, skip the dishes, delivery, work in a restaurant. I didn't care. I would have done any of those things. But as it turned out, the switch to just continue practicing homeopathy has been successful. And I'm totally fine when, as far as that is concerned. Well, good for you. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Your justice is served mm-hmm. in, in the sense that your life is flourishing and you're because you did the right thing because sometimes people suffer when they do the right thing and that's a shame but there there are there's a reward of of conscience you know you could live with yourself you could look at your your friends your partners your colleagues in the eye and say i've lived true to what i feel is right that's of very very inestimable value you know it's very high value Look, I don't want to have regrets when I die. Hahnemann said something like this. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like that. He said something along those lines. Yeah. He didn't, he wanted to be sure he could live with himself and so on when he, when he, was, when he was dying. Well, maybe uh, some of the brainiacs that are watching this uh, either now live or after the fact can put a comment in, in underneath the video right. and, and, bring that quote. I'd be curious to see. I, I, I appreciate that quote. I love stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, so Anke, I feel like we might wrap up soon. I would love to offer you the opportunity, anything you left, left unexpressed for students that are watching, uh, uh, pearls of wisdom. Uh, give, give us a couple of minutes of a kind of closing uh, sentiment. Okay. Well, I would say number one, follow your heart, look inside and follow your intuition, pay attention to your conscience 
and study homeopathy because it is the most effective thing out there. And we are going to need lots of good homeopaths, especially with what's coming down the tubes now, mass vaccinations with this experimental, you know, I mean, we need a lot of people that are going to be experts at treating vaccine injuries, actually. And homeopathy is, uh, is going to be poised to do it. But really, just follow your heart and don't worry if you if you do what if you do the right thing the universe takes care of you thank you i love that message that's a beautiful message ankit donka shane thank you welcome thank you (laughs) thank you so much this has been a truly enriching and important a very vital very vital endies for truth live discussion and um, thanks, thanks so much. Uh, perhaps we'll have you on here again if you should oh, sure. still deserve. Again, thanks for having me. It was wonderful being here with you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. I'm going to be having a discussion with um, two wonderfully beautiful up-and-coming naturopathic doctors, doctors Garrick Ng and Anna Feig, and that'll be next week. Tune in next time at Endies for Truth.